This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. 7.06 a.m. on Thursday, the 15th of December. Let's start the morning with the recap on how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets were all in the red, I think, in response to U.S. Fed decision yesterday. The Dow was down 0.4%, S&P 500 down 0.6%, Nasdaq down 0.8%. On the flip side, Asian markets closed all up in the positive territory. Nick up 0.7%, Hang Seng up 0.4%, Shanghai Composite just marginally up 0.01%, Singapore's STI up 0.2%, FBM KLCI up 0.9%, but I'm more interested to see what happens today, whether they will take their cue from the US. Indeed. So, for more thoughts on where international markets are heading, we speak to Vishnu Varathan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank. Good morning, Vishnu. Now, in the last and most highly anticipated FOMC meeting of the year, Year, rates were raised by 50 basis points, bringing the federal funds target rate to 4.25% to 4.5%. Now, can you walk us through what economic factors would have been going through the minds of Powell and Co. in um, deciding on this number? It wasn't really a surprise, but walk us through anyway uh, how they came to this. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yep, yeah, I think it, it appears that uh, they have welcomed the fact that inflation has uh, uh, you know, almost properly peaked and it's beginning to slow, but they are still not convinced that it will slow quickly enough uh, or that it will not entrench. Um, and within that calculus, they are quite happy to accept uh, that they might have to see uh, somewhat higher unemployment rates as, as the necessary trade-off. Uh, in fact, they think that they can achieve uh, a softish landing because they still see uh, growth next year, uh, although it's been trimmed down to 0.5%, which is really sluggish, mm. uh, they're not looking at a hard landing scenario here. And, and if I need to distill it down, it's just this. It is, they have come quickly and, and, and quite aggressively far enough. From here on, they expect that they can dial back the pace of hikes quite a bit, but they think they've got some ways to go, which is slightly above 5% where they see the peak rates. They don't see rate cuts for next year, which is in stark contrast to what markets are betting. Uh, And I think the one that they are watching most closely, because they say goods inflation is now coming off, they expect housing inflation to peak and come off next year. The one that they are watching really closely is non-housing core services which is very tightly linked to wages. So that's the, the summary of it. Yeah, because this is a bit contrarian to what markets were expecting. They were hoping to see a reversal of cuts to take place in 2023. But based on the language we hear from Fed Powell just now, uh, it seems that we could hit past 5%, right? So who's going to be hit badly in markets, you know, uh, in view of this announcement? <laughs> I think markets are betting that the Fed is going to be hit. <laughs> 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 my, my sense here is it's not that markets did not understand what the Fed was saying. Uh, in fact, they've been quite clear and unambiguous in the, in the follow-up press conference, uh, just in case you thought, you know, words in print, uh, uh, you know, don't always convey <laughs> the underlying sentiments. But, you know, clearly markets are not hoping, they're betting. In fact, they're betting that the Fed is wrong. Mm. Um, and, and I think the key here is uh, not believing by now, I, I don't think that they're not paying attention. By now, it's not believing uh, that the Fed, when they say they will keep at it and they need to sustain higher rates for longer, 
and not reverse prematurely. I, I think markets are believing that the, the pain point will come uh, by, by middle of next year or somewhere in the second half, and the Fed will promptly react to that. So here is where you get most of your you know, uh, potential for volatility. One of them is wrong. Uh, and, and that's where we need to find out. <laughs> <laughs> With bated breath, uh, Vishnu. But I want you to get your perspective, right? Following this uh, rate hike and the, the pace and trajectory we expect, what does it mean for emerging markets then? I think that's where, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, uh, there's a silver lining to be had, which is, it looks like the deceleration from 75 basis points to 25 basis point hikes can come through very quickly. In fact, the next meeting, uh, he, you know, he, Fed Powell in, in the press conference almost made it sound like they are open to 25 given uh, the inflation trends coming through. And, and he wants to emphasize, don't focus too much on the pace. In fact, necessarily, we must dull back and, and maybe cautiously probe where peak rates must be. Uh, so the good news is, I think uh, EM markets need not be too, uh, you know, concerned about, uh, you know, the, the kind of brutal impact from, from outsized rate hikes. But it also uh, bears a warning, which is for the next half a year at least, uh, so I'm not saying who's right, whether the Fed or the markets, uh, at least for the next half a year, we, we probably need to still grapple with the lagged effects of, of very high uh, US interest rates, which entails uh, you know, continued enduring risks of, of volatile capital outflows. Let's turn our attention over to China, Vishnu. And you've described China's anticipated reopening as a one-sided narrative that ignores ignores cyclical structural crosswinds. So what are those headwinds important and what impediments do they pose to recovery? I I think maybe I I was feeling particularly miserable that day. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, the point is, Cyclically, we, we see China as an upside story, particularly because, you know, as, as you've pointed out, they're, they're reopening with, with all the COVID loosening measures, plus the, uh, you know, liquidity provision for, for the property market. So we, we, we don't refute that. Uh, we just don't think it's imminent uh, or big bang. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhat more gradual, paced out. Uh, and, and the key factor here is, we really don't know how much more the U.S.-China geopolitics is going to heat up. Uh, already, the U.S. has pulled in more people in the chips embargo. Uh, and if that continues, uh, that is structurally a headwind uh, on, on many facets. Uh, the other factor is, is confidence within China itself. I mean, uh, you can provide liquidity to developers, but whether it will reinstate sales and, 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 and then you know, entrenched confidence amongst the population, uh, which then stimulates growth on a sustained basis. That's that's another question, uh, and and of course there's the whole factor about the security concerns of China, meaning that they are probably going to boost up prices without lifting demand, uh, just because of the stockpiling and the and the security issues, so on and so forth. So all this put together suggests that we cannot expect the same, uh, you know, lifting of boats as as China comes out from this. Uh, we're perhaps overestimating it. Yeah, but I guess, you know, you kind of paint a kind of grayer picture for China, but for, for the other, for its neighbour, India, the narrative is a bit more robust, isn't it, uh, for India? I mean, they are forecasting a 7% GDP growth in its current fiscal year. It is going to be one of the world's fastest growing economies. Has China kind of eclipsed India from the narrative and the news that we hear so much that it's really a gem that we haven't really dusted off properly? This narrative uh, is, uh, I, I think, a warranted one, which is, uh, you know, India may, may still be firing off quite a bit. 
but I want to temper that. And, and you know my tendencies of being pessimistic. So I want to temper that here and say uh, there are two factors about India that we perhaps need to uh, also consider looking at this uh, forecast. One is it's coming from a from a from fairly low base. So uh, the, the numbers are going to look quite good for this FY. Uh, the other thing is a, a lot of the so-called pent-up demand that came through in the initial cycles appears to be waning as we look at the growth data, so on and so forth. Uh, in addition to that, um, you know, and despite inflation, uh, you know, in a very welcome surprise, coming down quite a bit lower. Uh, if if we look past some of the headlines, the suggestion is that there could still be a bit of a drag on consumption and investment sentiments, uh, which means that sustaining that pace of growth uh, may be difficult, especially uh, if, if global headwinds pick up. So India may have a slightly bigger buffer, uh, but they've got their own challenges. And, and I think that that story about uh, you know overlooking India uh, is perhaps because there are bigger risks for 2023, but longer term, that story is something that we should continue to watch um, especially as, as the geopolitical chips fall. Uh, and, and, and that's the point I, I think that's certainly valid. Let's end the conversation with a look at currencies, Vishnu. If we take a look at the Singapore dollar, it's strengthened nearly 6% against the US dollar since its yearly lows in October. Um, how would you explain this sudden strengthening? And would that indicate that, must, uh, would, that the Monetary Authority of Singapore would now be looking at tweaking the currency trading band as a result? Well, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. Um, and, and I think one way to, to easily frame this is to say uh, in that same period where the Sing dollar strengthened uh, about 6%, you've got the US dollar that's fallen between 7 to 8%. Uh, so the other way I want to put this is the Sing dollar has not strengthened as much as the dollar's weakness would have, would have suggested. And, and that means on a trade-weighted basis, uh, the, the Sing dollar is, is about steady, uh, if not slightly softer. Uh, so that's co still consistent with where the MAS wants the policy settings to be because they look at the Singapore dollar on a trade-weighted basis. Um, whereas uh, the very sharp moves in the dollar uh, and to both sides uh, you know, going forward will mean that there will be huge fluctuations uh, that may look like uh, you know, the, the policy is off course. Uh, but but the, the, I think the, the underlying sense here is that uh, looking through the volatility uh, the the trade weighted appreciation is about where the MAS wants it to be, and and so I, I don't see adjustments in either direction uh, for the time being. Vishnu, thanks as always for the chat. That was Vishnu Vardhan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank, giving us his take on some of the trends that could be moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Reactions really to the Fed rate hike of 0.5% overnight. Yeah, I think it's, I think the, I think the biggest surprise was that um, Fed Powell, I think, kept the maintained, expect, expected to continue to see the rate hikes take place in 2023, but perhaps at a lower pace. I think many were expecting that rates would naturally reduce uh, second half of next year, but that did not seem to be the case from the announcement that came through yesterday. It's interesting to see just the different expectations between the Fed yes. and markets, I suppose. Markets thinking that um, the economic situation will deteriorate sooner, soon enough that the Fed will change course, whereas the Fed saying, uh, we, don't know, we don't quite know that yet. So We're who's not really right? <laughs> Who is right? That Some, is, I think, the question. A question for 2023, indeed. <laughs> it's 7.18 in the morning. We're heading in into some messages and when we come back we are going to be looking at the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning stay tuned bfm 89.9 the world market watch is brought to you by cmb preferred moving forward with you 
Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.